0: Hey everybody and welcome to Listen Money Matters. Don't trade long-term happiness for short-term pleasure. My name is Matt and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking?
1: Sup? So last, well maybe it was last week, I don't even remember at this point, you were telling me about Hudson Valley Brewery and how they make these awesome brews and a lot of sours. Yeah. Laura Laura edits the show, so she's listening, Uh editing, and she's like, Andrew! We went there like a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> Did you we really? bought beer from it and brought it back.
0: Wait, what do you have?
1: So I have uh it's a pillow hat. So we were there and we tried their sours and they're awesome, but they were completely out of every sour that you could like buy and take with you like in cans and So yeah. it's an IPA and it's good. Um but it is not a sour. Can I see the can? Yeah, it's like Up to uh, the up
0: to the Yeah. And wow, dude, yeah. that's not a, is that, is that a sour IPA?
1: It is not. It is just, uh, it's just a sour. It's like a light IPA. It's 4%. So, okay.
0: Yeah. Good. No, there's, there's, are yeah. like sour New England IPAs are
1: foof. who hmm. boy. So good. What do you um, guys,
0: sir? I got a beer from a Colorado beer, believe it or not. No. Get <laughs> yeah, out Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like I had all these awesome beers over the weekend from all around the country, and I didn't save one of them for this week. What? I know. Dumb. Dumb, dumb. Uh, I have a, a beer called, uh, from Wildwood's Brewery called Ponderosa Porter, and it is a rye porter aged in oak and vanilla beans. Ooh. So, yeah. It is, uh, I don't know what's the percentage on this bad boy. Oh, it's only five and a half percent.
1: So we'll still Not be bad. able to converse by the end.
0: I mean, I do have twenty-two ounces of it, so we'll see. <laughs> Not making any promises. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty decent. It's a porter. It's like whatever.
1: I love porters.
0: Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I do too. But there's no but. I like porters. Okay. Anyway, uh, I want to thank at Father Potato, which is a fucking great Twitter handle. Yeah. At Father Potato for don't trade long-term happiness for short-term pleasure. Uh, thank you for that catchphrase. If you want to send in your catchphrases, please join the Listen Money Matters community on Facebook by visiting listenmoneymatters.com slash community. And you know what we're doing today, Andrew? Five questions, and oh, I'm super stoked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, from, from, you're from You're from
0: North Jersey. You know what that means.
1: That's like uh, that's like the Jersey Shore. Uh. Oh yeah! Mm. It's
0: time to fist bump. Five questions.
1: I love these. Are you ready? They're, they're are fun. you ready to do it? Yeah, dude. All let's right. do it.
0: All right. Question number one. These have titles to them. I know. I don't know. Yeah, these are great. Right. Balance between the spender and the saver. What I struggle with the most is getting my spouse to follow the budget. I have tried Mint and Winab. And even a cash envelope system. How do I get her to follow a budget? Or maybe how do I quote unquote trick her into doing it? I'm not going to leave my spouse because of some money issues that don't cause us negative effect. We aren't making enough or we aren't making gains in our life. What happens when your partner has a different view on budgeting than you do? How do you find a system that works for both styles? That is, huh? It's a hard one. It is a hard one. I mean, I feel like very few people have similar styles, right?
1: Being on the same page is tough. And then, like, working together is tough. People, even after being married, have, like, separate goals or want to say, this is mine, that's yours. Yeah. So. What
0: what is your answer? Because I feel like, I mean, you're married. mm Mm-hmm. I do live with somebody, but you're like married, you have joint accounts, right
1: so a while ago, and we had tried a ton of different approaches, but we I guess realized, or rather through the force of my will, uh-huh. we were both forced to realize uh that just like doing it all as one big bucket was easier, you know, and it took a bit mm. to get there um and I think we both felt things as a result, so then what happens is uh, I I guess it almost doesn't matter if it's separate or together because you have to hold each other accountable. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you and Stephanie do? We don't. You don't.
0: No, we have our separate so like I, that's why I asked because uh we have our separate accounts and I at this moment, before like anything happens with like kids and stuff, because I think kids makes uh, the the splitting of the money a little bit different, because mm-hmm. you have to spend you know money on certain things. So right now we're we're keeping things separate, but we also have different budgeting styles. Stephanie is a budgeter, and I do not budget at all.
1: It's shifted for Laura and I. I used to be the budgeter. Now she she is like kind of running the show.
0: So my my advice, or I don't even know if I would have an advice, but I would guess like my suggestion to try is none of those things. Like don't try Mint and YNAB and a cash. Don't try systems because it seems as though the other person is not as interested in budgeting as you are, right? And it's like it's like trying to convince somebody to you know flip to a different political party. Like it's not it's not going to be an easy road, and it's almost yeah. worth not even trying. And instead, like try and instead find common ground that you could at least like agree on. And so for me, I would think that I would basically be exploring the common ground scenario. Maybe you need a common goal. Mm. Because if it's just if the goal is just forever ongoing budgeting, then I I don't want I'm not getting behind that. Sounds annoying and boring to me. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to see, I don't want to look at a spreadsheet. I don't want to look at why or Mint. you can, and I'll just, you just tell me what to do. That's what I was kind of thinking. Like, if she doesn't want to do
1: it, cool. Then just like take responsibility and like you do it. Yeah. And you could even, because I I doubt, like, so it's like, what are her motivations and reasons? You know, it could be, Mm -hmm. I just want to do whatever I want, whenever I want to do it, and you're not my boss. And that that could be, you sound just like her. But it's probably not that extreme. Mm-hmm. I imagine you can both get behind the same goals and you want right. some things. I mean, you're married. You obviously have some commonalities. So maybe, you know, understand the motivations, but you could be like, uh, would you use this account? We'll agree to whatever amount we put in this account that you could just yep. spend freely yep. on drugs or whatever. And I'll, <laughs> I'll handle the rest.
0: Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe. And this sounds, now I know like we have to be careful with this, but maybe you set the budget for her in this scenario Mm. like where maybe like it's like an allowance type of system because i I mean at one point i was so bad with money that i actually wanted my mom to do that for me i wanted her to like deposit like i basically had a checking account that if it wasn't in the checking account i couldn't use it and (laughs) like it just automatically got deposited in there all the time and i'm like well you know I, i literally only carried one card with me and if i you know couldn't if I would just, I'd rather, I don't want to bounce or I don't want to like, yeah, the, you know, it's like decline. Embarrassing. It's embarrassing, but like, at least like there's money in there and I can check it at all times. So I, you could do it that way, I guess. And again, that's like an open conversation that you have to have with your spouse. And, and I would say that like, you just don't have the common ground yet. And I think once you find that, cause even Steph and I, you know, I'll budget if, if it's for saving a house and she can run the spreadsheet or she could, you know, use Min or whatever and, and help me and, and but at least we were both on the same page that we want the final thing in the end. I just don't want to be the one to like keep the spreadsheet and look at it.
1: So I I mean, and I think that is probably what it needs to be. Like both Mm -hmm. people aren't going to like do the thing. Yeah. Um, Laura and I, uh, so we did an episode on like the refrigerator method and, and just Mm -hmm. kind of putting the things that you spend on the fridge to walk past every day and kind of just owning up to what you're actually doing. Um, it creates conversations. Uh, and,
0: does it create, what kind of conversations? Like does it create <laughs> conflict? Cause so, I would imagine it'd be like, why'd you spend so much money on that?
1: Well, then what happens is, so we, we're not like bad with it with each other, but sure. perhaps we won't do something in lieu of having to be, you know, have our feet put to the fire mm. by the other person. So it's like (laughs) visibility, I guess. Yeah,
0: it's like putting your underwear up. No, I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) I don't have nothing there. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I hope that answered your question at the Dr. 876.
1: What kind of doctor?
0: An 876 one. Mm. Or an 87.6, depending on how you want to say it. Let's move on to question number two, starting a blog. This one's pretty short. Better to start a blog sooner or wait until they're is more content. Start now with one article, or wait two months and start with 15.
1: I would just say start now. No one's coming if you publish one or 15. (laughs) So so what are you waiting for?
0: Yep, yeah, every day you don't start is a day you don't start.
1: And like Google doesn't care if you have one or 15 articles, but if you have one out there, it gives them more time to- And
0: it ages the domain? Yeah,
1: discover the article, see if it's relevant. While you're writing the other ones. And more Mm -hmm. and more uh, people, me, you, maybe, but just people in general are winning based on quality and not like links and stuff. So I say just go with it.
0: Yeah. And I don't know what that has to do with money, but all right. Making money. (laughs) I, I hope that's the point. It could be just starting a blog about like, I don't know, training your dog to do
1: tricks. People spend so much money on their pets. It's mm. probably probably the most lucrative niche. Interesting.
0: <laughs> Do you train Abby?
1: <laughs> she trains us. Oh, okay, that's fair.
0: All right, let's get to question number 3. I want to thank Nick for question number 2 by the way. Thanks Nick. Uh, question number 3, IRAs. You ready? Hmm. You know what IRAs are?
1: Yeah, a delicious type of beer.
0: Mm. They're so good. <laughs> India Red Ale. Mm. Nowadays, people tend to make more and more lateral movements in their profession, collecting more and more IRAs. It doesn't make sense to me to have a bunch of lower value IRAs instead of trying to merge them into one larger value IRA. Hopefully, you choose the best performer. A while back, you mentioned that making a big investment right away versus small investments over time tends to outperform in more cases. I was wondering if there was any research out there that suggests that merging IRAs into a currently higher performing IRA tended to outperform keeping a more diversified portfolio.
1: I feel like, um, the person Greg asking the question doesn't quite understand what an IRA is. Okay. And so, um, An IRA is like a bucket, you know, and if your uh, roof was leaking and you had to put a bucket down there, you could have a red bucket, you have a blue bucket, you'd have three buckets, one bucket that fills up and pours into other buckets, like they're all catching the water and serving this one purpose. Mm -hmm. And so if you jump between job and job and you're filling IRAs and you, you shouldn't have to keep creating different IRA new accounts, right. but if for whatever reason you are, it wouldn't really matter. You know, and, it, and perhaps more likely the case is if you're doing 401Ks, you would be compelled to create a new 401K account between companies, and you know, such is life. Um, but in terms of performance, what's in the 401K, or what's in the IRA is what matters, like what it's invested in, and there's no reason you couldn't have seven IRAs invested in the same thing. Yeah right so um you know 401k's for example you may be restricted on what you can invest in and you might roll a 401k into an IRA so you can invest in what you want mm-hmm. um but uh i i have two IRAs one why because of a similar reason job movement and then i rolled the 401k into an IRA and it just it kind of is whatever
0: why can't you just why can't you merge those two IRAs together
1: i guess i never cared to do the work. It doesn't bother me. It's just another. Are they
0: in two different banks or the same bank? No,
1: they're they're both with Fidelity.
0: Oh, okay. So you can see them all in one place. Yeah. Hmm.
1: And it's just, at the end of the day, they sum up to the same number regardless. Are you
0: are you consistently, um, you know, what, I, what, what do I want to say? Contributing. Like putting money into them? Yeah, contributing. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word.
1: <laughs> I, I actually am not. So they're just sitting there. They're just sitting there. Yeah. All right and not not for a reason i mean honestly i should be adding into them i, I just am not i so i i
0: are they do you know if they're invested in different things i'm sure they are right
1: i, I actually they're both <laughs> invested in the exact same thing okay that, so that's my, where my tesla investment is
0: all right so really
1: yeah it just so, so happened he, it was like it started cuz it was small amount play money and then it kind of grew sure
0: so he's saying basically uh that you know people tend to make lateral movements in their profession, and I'm assuming that means switching jobs, Yeah, like literally going to a different company, and they're collecting more and more IRAs. I have never been with a company who offered an IRA, so I'm kind of uh, naive to this. I did have, I did, I was with a company who had a 401k, and I did sign up for that, but then when I moved companies, the next company did not contribute to the 401k, so I was basically just sitting there, mm. and I couldn't do shit with it. So I wonder if it is. I mean, can you? How easy is it to roll an IRA into another IRA from different banks? Even
1: mm, I don't know, actually.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that's why it's such a pain in the ass. And I mean, he's saying that you can. You try and merge them into a larger value IRA, but how do you know which one's a larger value or not?
1: I guess. I guess I don't know why it, it would matter, honestly. Because if it, the the thing that it's in wouldn't affect its growth. Like, like yeah. if it was in two separate or one, you know? Um. So,
0: I mean, yeah, it says, or he says, I was wondering if there was any research out there that suggests that merging IRAs to a currently high per, higher performing IRA tended to outperform keeping a more diversified portfolio. Do you see, do you know anything about, have you read anything about that or know anything about that? or?
1: I, I don't really, I, I mean, the thing is, you an IRA you can invest in whatever you want. You can invest in Vanguard funds, Tesla, Apple, whatever. And mm. it could all your IRAs could be invested in Tesla. One yeah. of them could be. None of them, you know? So there there's no real restrictions with that. That's the cool part of I mean, IRAs.
0: Here's what I here's what I would say to that. I would say, look, you diversify it yourself. Diversify it however you want to. Let's say let's just say in a crazy case, right? You've moved jobs ten times. You have ten different IRAs, and you've only contributed maybe you maybe stayed at a job once a year for ten years, and you've contributed what fifty five hundred dollars, you know, in each IRA. So you have, you know, ten IRAs all maxed out at fifty five hundred dollars, right? Mm. Well, okay, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. They're all over the place. We have no idea. Like, can you can you really keep track, like fundamentally, or like like ideally, keep track of like what each one's doing? No, I would say. In that, that wacky case, personally, I would consolidate it into two. Mm. I would consolidate it, it into a very risky IRA and a very conservative IRA, or at least a moderately conservative IRA. So
1: you, you would break them out and, and say, like, this is the money that I'm going to try and grow really fast yeah. and do, like, whatever with, and this is just the one that my, my, my safe, retirement's banking on.
0: Totally. Mm. Right. That's how that. I would...
1: And if it helps kind of separating the buckets, so, you know... If you yeah, have big he, winnings with, you know, the one that's risky. Like, right. You know.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. I just think like that's the and then maybe. Yeah, that's what I would do. And I have two, man. I don't like. I, first of all, I don't even know why you need two, but mm. that's fine, too. You can just or you can have three. The one that's like very conservative, one that's moderately risky and one that's like super risky. Yeah. I, but I would say that the more important part of this is to be able to see them and control them. And not have them in 10 different banks, 10 different IRAs in 10 different banks, and you forget the logins, and you don't know what's what, and, you know, that's not helpful. And that's, like, what like you're you're if you, like, combine that all in the Mint, like, you know how many times, like, Mint's like, we can't connect to this bank. Yeah, it's a pain. You know, it's like, fuck that, man. <laughs> I don't think that helps anybody. So I think that's just my opinion based on this question.
1: I would probably be annoyed if it was in, like, 10 or so yeah. things.
0: So I, I guess there's no research that I've – that I looked at that says any which way. But to me, it's about consolidation for the sake of simpl- simplification.
1: Mm. I can get behind that. Okay. Thanks.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Uh, thank you for your question. That was really uh, – I feel like that was uh, made you think a little bit. Yeah. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, we need to take a break. But when we get back, we got – a couple more questions maybe even more than five Ooh. we'll see if we have enough time but we'll be right back and we're back i'm just pouring some more i, I actually just i have a tiny glass that i just keep pouring into
1: i don't I've know been, why i i have this glass that's like a standard beer glass it has like a line this is 40c which i guess is like a uh-huh. standard pour but lately the cans that i've been getting or 16 ounces. Than, yeah, they're bigger yeah. than the glass. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure how to how to. You got to
0: upgrade glasses, my friend. Yeah. All right. You ready for another question? Yeah, right. Yeah, I am, man. All right. Question number four, titled Opportunity Fund. All right. Dudes, thank you so much for all your hard work and honesty. You've made learning about personal finance educational, enjoyable, and actionable. I have a question for a five questions episode. Andrew has described the concept of an opportunity fund and has also mentioned that this current bull market run may be due for a significant correction. I am 31 years old and currently have a 90-10 stock-to-bond split in my Betterment account. If it's more likely than not that a correction hits the stock market soon and prices drop – would it be prudent to slide my Betterment portfolio to a more conservative stock bond ratio, say 60-40 or 50-50, in advance of this future correction? This would be sort of like a hedged opportunity fund within my Betterment account. And this extra money in bonds could then be used to buy more stocks once the correction has fully hit and the stock prices are low. What
1: do you think? So... um the whole, I mean, I, mean I, I get what he's trying to say. Yes. And, and the gut of me wants to, to be like, yes. However, in like doing that, I think that you're essentially placing a bet and you're, mm-hmm. you're timing, you're like trying to time the market. Yeah. And, you know, people have been crying that the market's going to correct for a while. And yeah. we did our opportunity fund episode a bit ago and there has been a little bit of a correction maybe not as much as will happen but you know who's to say that you know the right time like you may miss out on another 20% in gains before the correction and so perhaps cuz you've already placed that bet you know you've already made that decision leave that you can create a new fund in betterment and contribute that into a, a more conservative breakdown Mm-hmm. Um, you could use our Smart Saver account and make new contributions there. Yep. Um, I, I would lean towards leaving it. Like buy okay. and hold. You made the decision. You probably got it at a great price a while ago. Just let it ride.
0: All right. I also want to point out that he did say he was 31. Mm-hmm. And I think that definitely plays into it. For sure. Right. Uh, look, here's what I did. You know, I've I've been feeling and sensing and and kind of like been the saying that there is going to be some sort of correction, and I'm I'm using the word correction because I do not think it's going to be a correction. I think it's going to be bad. Mm. Okay, but that is of course, you know, you've been burned once, right? It's like, hey, in 2008, we were burned. It was right? hard. Yes, it was hard. We got burned real bad, and I, you know, you kind of just as a as a cynical person, the cynical as I am, it's like, yeah, the next one's going to be horrendous. And the way I feel about the current political climate makes it feel like it's going to happen even worse. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is I call it a correction because that's most likely what it's going to be, right? Uh, And I personally have scaled back on my aggressiveness in Betterment, and I have also contributed to an opportunity fund. Which could be for the stock market. Now I used to do ninety ten, that's where I was. I am also thirty five. I'm a little older, but not not you know, not too much older. Um I have since scaled back to seventy thirty. And I'm kind of uh waiting. I'm kind Did Betterment of
1: Betterman give you a pop up when you move the slider? Like, hey, these, yeah, the, these they are the implications of
0: well, they don't recommend – they recommended that I stay, I think, at like 85-something. Mm. They were like, we don't recommend going this low, right? But, mm. you know, obviously they have more uh, insight than I do. I
1: mean, they don't know the answers. And they're, they're not even even the trying answer. to be, you know, the answer knowers. But you had brought up the, the age. And, you know, take you, for example, 35. And I think yeah. like – you know, uh Laura Laura's dad, for example, is looking to retire right about sixty five. Yeah. And if you did that, that means you have thirty more years of working. Mm-hmm. And if you left it at ninety ten, it almost doesn't matter what happens over thirty years, it's gonna do well. You yeah. know, and, and if you have no plan on selling it between now and when you retire, you know then there's and, no reason to scale back. Yeah, and I wouldn't really worry about it. Like if if you want some more uh conservative investments i think that is like a good smart onus to like now uh create a new fund for that
0: i mean i like that idea better because i'm like right now tempted to kind of push it back to 90 because i didn't mind being aggressive you know yeah. and i've only been it's only been a month i've only you know hasn't been long since i've done that and i'm kind of speculating you know today that we're recording this is election day and i'm kind of like uh what's gonna happen? I don't the know. Results like, could yeah, change the market yeah, could for sure. com completely, right? So um I don't know. I-, I guess I was being a little too maybe maybe worrisome and I shouldn't have been. Mm. Um and I tend to be influenced by a lot of like, you know, things in life. You know, you hear Horror stories, or
1: oh, for you know, sure, somebody's
0: like, whatever. And it's just like, oh, I better, uh, I,
1: better I don't want to lose like 50% of everything I built. Like,
0: no, but, but, but again, even if that happens and you're not pl- like the thing is, is you're right. Like, if you're not planning on taking that money out and spending it right now, then what are you worried about? Because honestly, like, if you survived the 2008 dip, like, you, you, you came back like guns blazing, mm. right? Because you were buying that whole time. And you were at, and then you're still at ninety ten. And look what's happened in the last ten years. And like you've dude, made you'd be all be the losses back, Right, now.
1: Multifold from right. so
0: you'd be crushing right now. Yeah. So the same thing could happen, and that's fine. But if you don't need that ninety ten, if you don't need that betterment account money, if you're not like, if that's a long term thing for you, and I believe it should be, then yeah, hold.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and you're young, dude. Yeah, thirty one. I fucking wish I was thirty one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take those four years seriously. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I would. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would stay, stick with the ninety ten. Open up an opportunity fund so that when shit does go down, you can take all of that money if you wanted to, throw it into that ninety ten stock split and start buying stocks at super low prices. Mm. And then another ten years from now, who knows? Who knows where we'll be? Yeah, could be. A lot higher, even mediocrely higher, incrementally higher, whatever. You just bought at a super low price. And that's, I think, what you're saying is, like, if you're going to, yeah, if you're, I mean, don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's basically that, right?
1: You know, you bought the, this, you put this money into Betterment because it mm-hmm. was, you figured it was a good decision at that price at that time. And you have to trust the decision that you made. You know, build the opportunity fund, but don't penalize the, the decisions you already made.
0: And I would say even like his suggestions of going back 60/40 or 50/50. Uh
1: that's that's
0: that's super conservative. Yeah, you're not you're not that old. Yeah, you're not that you're not that old yet. So, that's what we think. Brian A, thank you for your question. And we're moving on to question number 5. And this is titled vesting. Okay. First off, this is from them. Uh let's see who is I do not have, (laughs) I don't know who, who (laughs) sent this question in. Okay. So, um, first off big fan, longtime listener. I have a question on a benefit that is given by my company to all employees. That seems similar to an investment, but I have never heard brought up on this show. Okay. My employer enrolls all employees in an ESOP, which is an employee stock ownership plan. Essentially, every year, each employee will receive a percentage of their base salaries in stocks of the company, depending on how well the company does that year. For example, if I make $50,000, I may receive 5% or $2,500 worth of company stock every year. I don't pay for the stock. It is just given. After I've worked for the company for so many years, I become fully vested in the stock that I've been given. Before that time, I am only partially vested 20, 40, 60, 80%. Once I retire or leave the company, I will be forced to sell the stock back to the company at my vested percentage. I can't do anything with that stock before that. My question is, how would you incorporate ESOP benefit into your financial blueprint? And if you want me to read the other details, I can. Other details. The company is privately owned, so the stock price comes from a third-party analysis or analyst every year. The average stock price increases since they've started the ESOP more than 30 years ago is around 30%, which seems hard to believe sometimes.
1: So interestingly, mm-hmm. or, or not interestingly, I mean, it's just kind of the, the, the way that it is that if uh, you provide compensation in stock and, you know, as you pay more compensation out and more people own the stock and they have to hold it for a certain amount of time, uh, that can potentially drive the stock price up on its own, right? Especially, yeah. And often companies implement plans where they might match you if you were to invest. When I was at Barclays, they did this because if employees invest in their stock, you know, and then they also match, so it's kind of like a benefit that drives the price up. Um, however, I was forever tainted in my belief um, because I worked at Lehman. And so yeah. all of my income was at Lehman. A large amount of my... And They called them RSUs at Lehman, Restricted Stock Units. Uh, acts very similarly, it sounds to ESOP, um, and so then my bonuses were there as well, and so a big part of my retirement Ooh. savings winded up being that. And it's just a lot of eggs in one basket. So, hmm. I mean, how do I feel about it? if they're giving it to you? That's awesome, but as soon as it vests, I would sell it. But you can't. You can't. I mean you have to you have to wait for it to vest and then you sell it I guess back to the company.
0: But you have to leave.
1: Oh, well, it's the only way to do it.
0: That's what I that's kind of what I thought from that, right? It's like you I heard, they said you can't sell it. Hold on. Right. Once I retire or leave the company, I will be forced to forced to sell the stock back to the company at my vested percentage. I can't do anything oh. with the stock before that. I mean So basically it's a retirement account. Right? Based on the company's performance, based on one single company's performance.
1: It's super risky, super
0: concentrated. I would say – yeah, and I would say to me um, – well, okay, look. For, for example – and I'm saying she. I don't know who, who wrote this. So they. If they make $50,000 and they receive 5% or $2,500 worth of company stock – then they they don't pay for it. It's just given to them. Mm. Then I don't know how this fits into a blueprint at all. Like it's just going to happen regardless of whatever. Right. It seems
1: like there's nothing they can do about it. I mean, not like, no, don't give me this free stock.
0: I would say take it, but like you can't, you're not going to lose any money because you don't lose what you don't put in. And if you're not putting in your actual money, that $50,000 that you make, you're not actually putting that money into the, the company. Then to me, What's the question, right?
1: Well, you know, maybe the question is like, uh, do do I stay at this company? Because mm. it's it's kind of this perverse incentive where I don't know.
0: It's basically perverse, like it's like loyalty, right? It's
1: it's forced. So okay, like it seems like it's a bonus, and it could be the entirety of the end of year bonus or something. It that seems is like tension.
0: It seems like a pension.
1: Right. But, you know, pension funds have to be invested in a certain way because they are committed to a certain level of like right. income over time. Here, they're not committed to anything. And hopefully the company continues to do well. Um, But you have to, you have to kind of bank on that. I would. All right. I wouldn't mm. really. I'd be wary to consider this as part of like retirement assets. This could be oh, like yeah, a great totally. way to maybe grow well if this is like a young, exciting company. But um, I think
0: this is. I think this is gravy. It's this high is risk. Gravy. Yeah, this is gravy on top of the financial blueprint. Mm. Like you should not do not do anything in the financial blueprint in lieu of this, right? Mm. Because it's like, oh, I don't have to do an emergency fund because I got this, or I don't have to do a retirement account because I got this. It's like okay, great. That company's been around for thirty years. Like that's that's awesome, you know. What it like? What if I don't know? Like shit can go wrong. Yeah, and you know all that money that you you know thought that was yours all, no longer is, or they change their their policy. I don't know. So I, I would say, do not work this into your blueprint. Consider it gravy. Yeah, it's like the ten percent
1: risky part.
0: Yeah, when you leave the company and you like all all of a sudden get handed this like massive check because you sold all your stock, fucking great. Put that into the financial blueprint you've already got set up for yourself.
1: Yeah, you know, invest that into something else and have it make even more money. You uh, still need to set up the beginning pieces of the financial blueprint, regardless.
0: Totally. Yeah, totally. And this is and again, like if it's not taking your actual, I would be worried. If they said in this question that you know the company is doing this instead of like we're basically taking some of your paycheck and like investing oh. it in our in the I'd be like no don't I would I wouldn't do that I'd rather I would I would want to put it somewhere more diversified and and not necessarily safer but like more safe because it is diversified like yeah. an index fund ra- rather than just like one single company right like that's what Lehman Brothers was and look what happened there were so ladies many. and gentlemen.
1: Brilliant people who had, you know, when, when the stock was high, obscene amounts of money. And yep. I just remember after the bankruptcy, people were like, that was like my daughter's wedding money. That was it, you know, yeah. Whatever. Dude, like,
0: that's at the least of their, con- you know. Not I know. to mention they
1: have to find a job. They also don't have all their retirement savings. It's not a joke, you know. Yeah. something to be careful of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it it definitely doesn't incorporate in the blueprint we talked about. Mm. It is it is bonus. It is gravy. It is you know. But the que- I guess, the, I have a bigger question: is does that does that in- influence your decision of staying with a company or not? You know, like I, I that's that to me is uh, a big part of it is is yeah.
1: compensation. You know, if like some company that knows nothing about you other than your resume and, like, a two hours of chatting with you. If they're going to pay you X percent more, you know, it makes sense to go with them. And, you know, I, I don't even know if this is really part of compensation because it seems yeah. like their vesting period is not that great. Like, every year you're going to have another pile added in and a whole yeah. bunch is still withheld. It kind of traps yeah. you.
0: I also think, like, I've had this happen to me before, where I went, I worked at a, for a company, and I went into my boss, and I was like, "Hey, I would like a raise. I want, I want money." Mm. And he was like, "Do you have a four hundred one k?" I was like, "I I didn't know you offered one." He's like, "Yeah, we got a four hundred one k. Why don't you do that?" And I was like, "Okay." I still want money. I still want a raise. <laughs> He's like, "We'll do that, and then we'll talk." I'm like, "Okay." And he was basically saying, "No, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a raise in the form of the match," right? Yeah. Which is what he did. And I set it up, and then, and then uh, two months after I did that, he stopped the match. He stopped matching the whole company. So I was yeah. like, so you never gave me a raise. And I would say if they're telling you this or offering this because they don't want to pay more money in raises for their employees and compensate them like that, don't take that deal. Yeah. I think that's not a good deal. This sh- Again, should always I would consider this bonus. Bonus incentive for working for a company that you that you can stand behind that you like working for. All of those things have to be true, and then I should be paid well, and I get to you know be invested in my own company, and I get to like you know reap the benefits of that for for my loyalty to them. Great bonus extra gravy, whatever acronym, whatever word you want to use. That's how I would envision this. I would agree. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad. So, uh, thank you for your question, whoever you may be. I hope that helped. And that's five questions. Wow. Yeah, dude,
1: we're getting better.
0: It felt, it felt good. Yeah, felt good. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's the beer. Maybe it's the five point five percent. You know, vanilla. Oak. IPAs will do this to you. You know, yeah. or
1: stouts, I guess, in your case.
0: Uh porters. Don't, don't, don't be confused, even though they're very similar. Hmm. Listen, if you missed anything in this episode, of course, we'll have everything in show notes. Either check your preferred podcast app or visit com slash show. And please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts and tell your friends about us. Point them to your favorite episodes. I didn't know that there were five questions. Just point <laughs> them to a five question. No, point them to your favorite episode, whatever that may be, and hopefully they'll become a subscriber We can grow the show. We can all grow together. 90%. I don't know if that means.
1: I I was like, yes. Yes. No, 100 percent That sounds good.
0: Yeah. If you think we missed anything in covering these and answering these questions in this episode, here's what you can do. Join the Listen Money Matters community on Facebook so we can continue the conversation. Maybe we can advance like you know further explore these questions. You just go to listenmoneymatters.com slash community. And if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to discuss on future episodes of Listen Money Matters, email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. All the tools and resources, of course, that we normally talk about on this show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. Andrew. Yo. We've, <laughs> I hope you voted today.
1: I did. I did. I'm wearing my, uh, voted my pen. sticker. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, get out there. Later, Andrew. Later.
1: Please tell your friends about this show.